looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte. Today, joined by my co-host, DJ Smith. DJ, what's going on today? Uh, Great to be with you, Dante. We got a really, really great one today. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Other than that, outside of the podcast, uh, we've been doing pretty good. We've got some offers heading out there for some multifamily properties we've been looking at. And uh, I have to sadly admit, I've crumbled and I'm finally on TikTok, the social media app. I had some guys over for poker the other night. And they're like, breaking should... news, everyone. This is breaking news. Oh, no, it literally is. I haven't told DJ this yet. So I had some guys over for poker and they're like, you, you know, you should really make a TikTok. And I was like, no, no, no. They're like, you can do all real estate related stuff. And I was like, well, I'm sold. So I got right on there. I've made like a bunch of videos. My first video had like a thousand views in like the first day. So that was pretty impressive. So if you guys want to follow me out on TikTok, it's at Dante Belmonte. Check it out. Sorry, I had to tell you this way, DJ. <laughs> I love it. That, that's awesome. Hey. Anything we can do to uh, educate and pour into people, I certainly know uh, I headed down the real estate path because uh, I I just found so many awesome ways to uh, just further ourselves relative to our financial position, relative to the power of real estate. Uh, It's just, it's really incredible. So we're we're here to help others on that journey because one thing's for sure, uh, it's a team sport. Yeah, it is. uh, Yep. Networking and building relationships and, and connecting with people. You're not going to resonate with everybody. Uh, but Joseph is, is one that, that people should try to take a look at uh, as we get into today's episode. Uh, but certainly building your network is one of the keys to being successful in this business. It's very true. I won't give too much away, but we're talking about ADUs. So uh, let's find out what that is and let's bring Joseph in. Today's guest is Joseph Peretz. He is the founder of Neo Builders over around the LA area. He's going to be talking about ADUs, accessory dwelling units, and how that can help investors out in today's market. Uh, Joseph, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Love to educate people on ADUs and uh, how we can get more ADUs out there. Awesome. So if you want to go ahead and just kind of tell us, Joseph, about your background, uh, we'll get into ADUs in a little bit, but we want to hear about you first, uh, where you kind of came from and how you got into this uh, business that you're doing right now, which is definitely a cool angle, something unique in real estate. Definitely. Um, I'm the son of uh, a general contractor that builds three and $4 million homes. My uncle's a general contractor. My brother's a general contractor. Both of my best friends are general contractors. Never wanted to be a general contractor, always wanted to be an architect, uh, but I think I found a happy medium of kind of designing the smaller spaces uh, and having bi- building the, fa- the spaces with my family. So I think it's, it's a good medium of where we're at. Okay. And then where'd you say you're located right now? So yeah, most of our work is in Los Angeles. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, we do most of our work, whether it's in West LA, East LA, or in uh, the San Fernando Valley. Awesome. Okay. Now, 
tell us what an ADU is. What does that stand for? And what is that product? And then let's get into how you fell into the ADU world. So yeah, ADUs are accessory dwelling units. Uh, a lot of people are calling them granny flats or back houses. Uh, it's in essence on a single family home when the garage or part of the home is used as a dwelling space. Um, a lot of laws have changed, whether it's 2017 or 2020, to make it easier in California to build these things. Um, and now we're actually allowed to rent them and we get secondary addresses. Uh, it started off only in single family homes, which everyone knows, but now they've actually moved on to multifamily homes. Uh, in essence, turning a single family home into a duplex or in essence, getting more units on a multifamily. Awesome. You know, something like that, I think is pretty pivotal, you know, pretty important to know right now because the market's very hot and it's tough to, if you're looking for a duplex, it can be really tough to find that duplex. Not that single families are easier to buy at the moment, but duplex that you're small multifamilies are in demand and there's not as many of them. So if you could buy a single family and put something like an ADU on the back of it, like we're going to talk about today, that can be super, super helpful. Yeah, I fully agree. Whether you're buying it, buying the single family home with the ADU, buying a single family home with plans approved for an ADU or buying a, uh, a flip and then, you know, working on the main house and the ADU at the same time, very, very good investment. And uh, I think also short-term versus long-term, they both work for ADUs. Yeah, so Joseph, uh, really excited about this topic. Uh, I think it's a, it's a unique uh, and up and coming aspect of real estate that people need to be aware of. And uh, I don't think it matters where you're located. Uh, so, you know, we know you, you specialize in that Los Angeles area. Uh, and certainly we're going to talk through and, and discuss, uh, I think, some guidance for people, no matter where you are, to make this applicable. Uh, but I don't want to go any further without talking about the term ha house hacking. Uh, I, I think that comes up often relative to what you do, right? Can you maybe uh, just for maybe people that don't understand what that term is, can you describe it and how it relates to what you're doing? Yeah, the way I think, thank you. The way I think about house hacking is two main things. The first thing is if you live in a single family home, you might be renting uh, rooms in your home to help you offset your mortgage. The secondary thing that a lot of people are talking about with multifamily homes is, you know, buy a fourplex, live in one of the units, rent out the other three units, live rent free. Uh, a lot of people are talking about living rent free and house hacking kind of together. Uh, I think for ADUs, it's, it's kind of a mix of both. So you have multiple options. If you own a home, you can house hack by building an ADU and renting out the ADU, you know, two separate units, almost like a duplex and they're gonna offset your mortgage by a ton. Uh, or you can actually downgrade, live tiny as we say, live in the ADU, which is usually the smaller unit, and then rent out your main home for substantially more than your mortgage uh, would be. In essence, living completely free and even making money. Um, so I think house hacking plays a huge role, especially in newer investors. Uh, and like Dante said, it's a little bit hard to get a multifamily home. It's a little bit easier to get a single family home. Uh, we just need to be able to be able to pay it off. And if we can house hack at the same time, that's perfect. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's a great idea. Now, let's kind of get right into it with these ADUs. What do you need to have on the property? How much space do you need? Or is there have to be something structured there already to start an ADU to happen? 
Yeah, I'll talk about California. I know California very well and the boom in Los Angeles. Los Angeles City makes it very, very easy. So any lot, there's no lot requirements at all. Uh, any lot, you can build 800 square feet. Uh, some of the bigger lots, you can build 1,200 square feet, which is either a two-bedroom, two-bathroom or a three-bedroom, three-bathroom. Uh, you know, the question is always new construction versus garage conversion. If you already have a garage, it's substantially easier, substantially cheaper uh, to build it and also substantially easier to get it permitted. Um, if it's new construction, you know, we have to follow California guide. So uh, whether it's solar panels, um, uh, whether it's paying more in fees, you can still build it. It's just going to be a little bit more expensive and a little bit more uh, lengthy in the permitting process. Understood. So something, is it possible to do multiple ADUs on, the, on a property or are you only able to do one? Yeah. So again, we'll talk about single family home and, and multifamily home. On the single family home in California, you can actually build two. One is called the accessory dwelling unit, an ADU, and one is a junior accessory dwelling unit or JADU. Uh, again, different laws. Uh, ADUs can be uh, separated. JADU can also be separated. Uh, but JADU, in essence, has to come from the main house. Uh, so in addition to the main house or actually taking the back master, if, if your master bedroom is in the back, you can easily turn that into a JADU. Uh, in some places, you can also build a brand new ADU and then have the JADU attached to the, to the detached ADU. Uh, again, multiple things that you can do. Uh, that's for the single family home. As for the multifamily homes, any multifamily home can have two detached ADUs, but also we can add units to any uh, covered parking. Uh, and that's gonna be at 25% rate of your units. So let's just say for an example, you had a 40 unit apartment building and you had maybe 40 parking spaces. Uh, a lot of these parking spaces, we don't have, to, we don't have any, uh, any more parking requirements. Uh, in California, if you're building ADUs, uh, so you can take 25% of the 40 units and you can build 10 more units um, in these covered parking spaces, plus two more uh, detached ADUs, in essence, turning your 40 unit into a 52 unit. And we're seeing that a lot. So, wow, that's uh, a mouthful and a headful, right? Joseph clearly knows his stuff. Uh, but for everybody else that's out there, what that basically means, Joseph, if I'm understanding you correctly, that if they're not located where you are, we know these rules are specific to the municipality, correct? They're basically, these rules are going to be set up, they're, they're derived on the local level. So knowing that, if somebody's interested in, uh, you know, hey, I want to create an ADU, um, first thing they would do is go to their local zoning ordinance. And you need to find your zoning map. You need to go to your zoning ordinance and the uh, classification specific to the location of the property. And you need to read your zoning code. Uh, consult with perhaps local architect, um, uh, building code. Uh, talk to the local municipality. You want to be above board with this. Joseph, I'm assuming you follow that philosophy and, and get right in front of the, uh, the local building inspectors and code enforcement and such as, as you guys proceed. Yeah, we try our hardest. Neo Builders is a design and build firm. Uh, so in the design phase, I usually already know what we can or cannot uh, design. 
if it's something that's new or something that's outside of our specific area and I'm helping out, it's always a good idea to call zoning and planning. It's their quick phone call away or a quick Google search away. Um, there's not a ton of educational um, resources about ADUs right now. Uh, Neo Builders tries their hardest to educate people for Los Angeles and uh, we're on YouTube and we're on Facebook and we're trying to educate as much as possible. But a quick Google search and a quick call to zoning, you'll get all your answers. Awesome, I love that. Now, let's kind of talk about the steps. So let's say I just bought a single family and I'm looking to hire you to put an ADU on the, the back of the property, so to speak. What are the steps to making that happen to start and to finish? Sure, so I think there's two main steps in the planning before we start construction. The first step is figuring out exactly what you want, uh, getting an architect, um, you know, designing it, custom design it, make sure you have a structural engineer, a mechanical engineer, and an architect. Uh, and then the second phase is actually submitting them to the city. Now, uh, in California, all cities have 60 days to approve these plans. Um, you know, some cities are taking a little bit longer than expected, especially because of the COVID um, ordinances. Uh, but still, these things are getting approved. You just have to submit them and kind of take care of all of the all of the paperwork. Um, step number three is construction. Uh, you know, uh, construction on a garage conversion, uh, whether it's a garage conversion or a new construction. You know, you can be looking at two hundred dollars, two hundred fifty dollars a square foot, depending on how small it is and how brand new it is and the finishes. Um, steps after that is the finishes. You know always do the finishes compared to your comps. You are still building a unit. So whether it's a luxury unit or you know more for, for rental and you'll make that decision yourself. And then step number five is renting it out, I believe. Okay, now something like that, you know, when you're building it and you said like on an existing garage or sometimes it's new construction, what if there's, you know, in upstate New York where I am, you know, there's garages here that are a hundred years old. Something like that, would you guys have to kind of scrape and start from the beginning because the foundation might be shot, so to speak, because it's so old? Or is that something you'd look to see if you could repair and kind of work with? Yeah, it's, we're always working with existing conditions. So things are not going to be perfect um, when we're doing conversions. That being said, if your garage is 100 years old, the roof is falling apart, the foundation is falling apart you'll definitely be in the new construction game, but also we try to make sure that we're doing conversions because it's cheaper, it's easier, and uh, we have a lot less Title 24 that we have to deal with. And that's kind of the eco standard of California. So in new constructions in California, you have to have solar panels. You know, that might be a $10,000 expense. Some people might want to do it. Some people don't want to do it. If you have a new construction, you are obligated of doing it. If you have a, uh, a garage conversion or a conversion of any sort, a storage conversion, uh, then you don't, you, you're not obligated to do these things. So we always try to keep the existing structure, even though uh, me and the homeowner know that it's going to be new construction. So we talked about these phases. What about timelines? And, it, you know, I know they can vary, right, with decision making and the obstacles, but give somebody a general sense of your, your overall design build process and then the individual steps within each. What are they looking at to get something done with you guys? Yeah, I think COVID really uh, hit the cities hard and they are piling on a lot of work. Uh, and it's no shot at LA City or LA County. Everyone's trying their hardest. 
Uh, I will say that these things were over the counter before COVID, and now it's taking us about two or three months to get these things permitted. So let's say planning two or three months and then construction, you know, Neo, Neo Builders tries to build these things as quick as possible. I think six weeks is our shortest garage conversion, so pretty quick. Um, but new construction can be anywhere between three and four months. I know some of our competitors are a little bit uh, slower or, um, you know, it's just about getting the, the contractor that knows exactly what he's doing. We've done about 20 of these things already, so we have our perfect crew for it. It's done in six to eight weeks. Interesting. Now, what kind of tips do you have for people when they're designing or building these ADUs? What does the layout typically feel like? What's the square footage kind of feel like as well? Yeah. So most of these cities, uh, most of these garages and most of these ADUs are quite small. So we're building one bedroom, one bathroom around 360 square feet all the way to 500 square feet. So again, you know, I talk about tiny home living, make sure that it's designed uh, to the specs. So if, we're, if we have a 400 square foot garage and we want to make a one bedroom, one bathroom, don't go for the biggest appliances. Don't go for the, the 36 inch fridge or the 36 inch oven. Go for the smaller units. Make sure your AC is small, but works very well for the space. Uh, a lot of people are shooting for one bedroom, one bathroom, even though their garages are very small. So, you know, if it has to be a studio, go for the studio. Interesting. Now, what about water, electrical, if there's natural gas, separate metering, how does that look? I mean, even internet as well. You know, we're talking a whole nother unit that's not even attached to the home at most times. So how do those utilities look like? Yeah, really good question. Uh, the good thing about LA, uh, some cities know, but the good thing about LA is that you have options for everything. So you, you can either use the same water meter, electric meter and gas meter as your main home. And that's kind of more for the people that want their parents to live there or their adult children to live in the unit. If you want it completely separate, you have the option of getting different water meters, different electrical meters, different gas meters. They do cost a little bit more with city fees, uh, but definitely doable. There's also very many ways of, of not having to deal with the city fees and just putting digital clocks on these water and gas meters and that kind of... Uh, it gives a little bit more work for the property manager in the future, but definitely cheaper uh, in the initial stages. So I, I was taking a peek at your website. You don't just do standalone units or garage conversions and stuff like that. It, it, I, I saw a few different locations that people may want to put these things. So kind of give us a complete snapshot of if somebody's interested in this, what are their options? What can they look for in a property? So when you're looking at a property to buy, I always like to look for the biggest lot size because if you get a big lot size, you can actually build 1,200 square feet and sometimes even more. Um, that's the biggest thing. If there's already a detached garage in the corner, I like that the most. And then there's some other things that I really like to see. Uh, I like to see the garages facing south and I like to see some setbacks from the garage so it's not fully in the corner. Again, we always have setback issues. So when your garage is fully in the corner of a lot, you might not have windows on two sides. So a little bit of a setback looks nice. Um, if the garage is maybe five or six feet away from the back, then we can do a backyard in the back. A lot of little things that, that get me going, um, but bigger, bigger the lot size, the better. And I think that's always how it is in real estate. Yeah, most definitely. Now, what are you guys doing that 
like landscaping wise or something in the back where you're kind of separating the tenants almost or the resident or whoever lives there. So they're not interfering with the person in the main house versus the ADU. What like kind of tips or tricks do you guys have for that to kind of make them feel like it's their own little homes? Yeah, we talk about true duplexes. So when you have a, a detached garage, but it's still we're still using the same um, backyard space, we call those compounds where it's shared spaces in the back. Maybe it's a shared pool uh, or maybe it's a shared barbecue area. But if homeowners want true, uh, true duplexes, it's a simple fix. It's a vinyl fence straight down the middle. Uh, maybe it's two vinyl fences, one in the entrance and then and then backyard space. Always give the smaller unit backyard space, let them make noise and have a little bit uh, of outdoor area to hang out in. If you wanna keep most of the garage, uh, most of the backyard, that's fine. But you know, a simple fence does the job very, very well. Awesome, I like that. And you know, for something like we were saying, is there, for the garages, do they have to be a certain size or square footage that I know we kind of talked about what square footage they are, but could you do like a 10 by 20 garage? Is that something you guys do or common or like what's the most common one you guys come by? Yeah. Most common garages are 20 by 20, depending on when the home was built. I think a lot of the homes in Los Angeles were built in the forties and that's when we got two car garages. Um, the most garages that I see are either 18 by 20 and those are kind of the smaller ones or 20 by 20, which is the newer ones. If your home was built before the 30s, we know cars were much smaller and you only had one car. And those are usually going to be 12 by, by uh, 17. And those are quite small. So the, the 12 by 17, um, we usually like to extend those because it's not worth it to build a studio in those units. But right. anywhere between 360, 340, 360, 380, 400, those are perfect numbers for ADUs. Okay, so we're 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 throwing a lot at people again, and you know this is this is just so impactful, great stuff. Uh, tell us some stories, and I want to start with um, let's start on the negative side. Challenges that you've run into. Where were these things a pain? What what are some of the obstacles that you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I wish I knew that going in. Uh, you know, give us some some things that really have, I guess, uh, put a wrench in the works in terms of what you guys have been able to accomplish and some obstacles you've had to overcome. Yeah, I'll give uh, two main uh, obstacles. One is always the planning stage where you think the the area is pretty easy and then it becomes historic and the homeowner doesn't know that and we're stuck in a plan check for six or seven months. And, and that kind of goes for a lot of things in LA. Uh, you know, if you're 0.2 miles away from a fire, uh, fire department or a police station, you have a lot more clearances to take care of or even a public park, you have a lot more things to take care of. So we always have obstacles and planning stages and homeowners should know that it's not always the architect's fault. Sometimes it's, it's just an overload of information. Um, but for real estate investors, if you already have a, a, a single family home that you're renting and now you want to put an ADU in the back, uh, the existing renters are not always going to be super happy. So the story kind of goes on Bel Air you know, the tenant is paying very little in rent and the family's been living there for 10 or 15 years. And we came to build an ADU. Everything was permitted. Homeowner didn't explain to the tenants what we were doing. And we just had the, we just had the worst time with them. 
you know, the dogs were barking. I can imagine why. <laughs> it, it, it was, these are things that, you know, if you're, if you're a real estate agent, if you're, if you're a real estate owner and you want to rent out both units, you know, there has to be some give and takes your tenant that's been there for 15 years. You know, now they have a unit in the back, make sure to lower their rent, make sure to maybe fix up a window or two, maybe do a new roof for them. Let them feel like they are still part of your life and you're not just making more units and more units, I think. Yeah, those those are certainly some some great tips. It actually reminds me of uh, tips that you know I've heard over the years with people that are doing flips and stuff, and how to work with property owners and to help them out of their situation. I think it's great that you guys are doing that. So, okay, I went negative on you first because now you you can go really strong with. Talk to us about some of your favorite projects. Yeah, um, I'll talk about my favorite investors where they. They, they were first-time homeowners when we chatted with them, and now they own three or four properties with four ADUs. Um, Spencer and Vivian, I shout them out a lot on Instagram, but they bought their first home. Uh, they built an ADU. They renovated the main home and then lived in the main home. When we built the ADU, uh, they lived in the ADU, and then they bought a secondary property, Obviously, they refinanced and they got a better loan and they were able to buy a second unit. We call this the leapfrogging strategy. I'm sure you guys talk about it on the show. But when they were buying their second home, they were living in the ADU and renting out the main home of their first unit. Then we finished construction on the second home. They moved into the second home, got tenants into the first home, bought their third home. And that, then they did the same thing with the third home. And now they're on their fourth home. We've built all their ADUs. We've renovated all of their homes. And, you know, they're not super rich or super wealthy. They just got very good loans. They got very good contractors and they picked winning properties. You know, they picked an $800,000 property. They put in 150, 160,000 on the main home and the ADU. And then they ended up getting um, appraised for 1.17. So just winning properties, properties that uh, make money in rent and make money uh, at the at the end of the reappraisal, and then just keep leapfrogging. Every year they buy a home now, and every year they move homes. Wow, that's pretty pretty impressive. Every year moving homes, <laughs> but <laughs> something you touched on, I actually want to go back to was financing. So if you're using an owner occupant loan, or you, you know, people typically don't have the x amount of dollars it costs to build an ADU in their pocket. What are some finding financing options that are available out there that you kind of guide your clients to to build these? Yeah, I think ADUs is a winning strategy. So it's not like you build a pool and then you don't get your money back. Building an ADU, you get your money back and more some. I think for financing, uh, the old school way of doing the financing was the HELOCs. Um, but today we do renovation loans. A lot of my clients are doing 203 renovation loans. Um, they're bundling everything together and then getting them reappraised at the end. Um, I think that's the main thing. Obviously, if you can do a cash out refinance, that's also good, but I'm really pushing people towards a 203 renovation loan, get it done, get it done quickly, uh, get reappraised and move on. So they're doing the 203, uh, 203K loan at acquisition of the single family, knowing that they're going to be doing the ADU and using that as part of it. Is that correct? Yes, but, but not always. So a lot of people ask me if you can do that uh, when buying the home. Uh, I think you can. I just don't see a lot of people doing it. Most people that are building ADUs today, 
um, already own their home, whether they're newer homeowners or not. Uh, but yes, a lot of people want to do that renovation loan. I think Loan Depot does them very well for acquisition, uh, but a lot of people are doing them if you already own the home. Awesome. I like it. DJ, did you uh, have anything else before we go over into the next section of the show? How important are, you mentioned earlier, engineers and so on. Uh, some people tend to skip them, right? They, they don't want to pay for them. Uh, yeah. It's crazy to me. Uh, first of all, not an architect, not a drafter. Wanna be drafter on the weekend. <laughs> Sorry, um, he was headed down the architect path and went back to his general contractor route. So apparently, right? I, I wasn't. Did I capture that correctly? Yeah, I wasn't good enough in numbers. <laughs> but um, I think I think it's it's sad to see architects getting the end of the stick, um, and structural engineers and mechanical engineers not getting paid well because they are the ones that plan the whole project. Um, it's easy for me to draw something on CAD, but they're the ones getting them approved. They're the ones making sure that the materials are, are uh, cheaper, the building is cheap, um, or at least sustainable to the, the pr property and to what we want to do. You know, architects charge anywhere between three and $5,000 to get these things uh, uh, approved and drawn up, I think it's the best money you can make. I, I sometimes see homeowners downloading PDFs uh, online of saying, hey, you know, get your free ADU plans and just submit to the city. And then when I get there, instead of charging them $100,000, I have to charge them $130,000, $140,000 because of all the mistakes that the architect made and all of the mistakes that weren't planned out on the plans. Um, structural engineers, same thing. A structural engineer's job is to get this thing to be safe, to get this thing uh, safe at a reasonable price. Um, and he's there to work for you and with you. So use them if possible. Don't just pay someone $250 for a quick observation. Pay him a little bit more money and ask the questions that you need to be, that need to be asked. Yeah, I, you know, I'm biased. Uh, engineering background, uh, I certainly see how important it is to uh, provide contractors with clear plans, especially when you have, you know, carpenters, electricians, and so on that have to coordinate their work. And if they have plans to go from, I believe the upfront investment is worth the savings that you realize at the end. So certainly a great plug for them. And I, I didn't want to let you go without talking Denmark. Uh, you spent some time over there, right? I, I, I got to hear about it because, well, I'm one eighth Danish. <laughs> yeah. Um, I spent uh, a study abroad program in Copenhagen, um, in uh, Copenhagen Business School, which is a great uh, economic school. Uh, the main thing that I took from Copenhagen is to live tiny. And, it, you know, Copenhagen is a smaller city. It's not as big as Los Angeles. They have no cars. Their public transportation is good. But most importantly, they have bikes and they have smaller units. And that's what I see for the future of ADUs. Smaller units in metropolitan areas, we already took out the parking requirements. So, you know, if you're in downtown and you're building an ADU, you don't need parking. Let the tenants have a bike. And it, it, it's the small unit. It's the living well. It's the living happy. We don't need more 4,000, 5,000 square foot homes. We need a lot more 500 square foot units. Um, so, yeah, Copenhagen did me well just for the smaller spaces. 
I came back from Copenhagen to Los Angeles and I had very little money in my pocket, not enough money to rent my own apartment. So I lived in my brother's uh, garage, which was not an ADU. As soon as the ADU laws came out, I was like, yo, we need to turn this unit into an ADU. We did it together. And that was the first ADU we did. It was me and my brother, him as the general contractor, me as the designer of the tiny space. And that's kind of how we've been doing it at all times. I lived in that ADU for three years until I got on my feet. So shout out to my brother for believing in ADUs before, before permits were easy to get. I mean, we worked really hard on that project. I, I, that's a great story. You know, I love where the inspiration comes from. Uh, good for the environment. I think good for the pocketbook. You, you certainly hear stories every now and then, uh, you know, of people that take this approach and, and how well they do financially. It's, it's a really fiscally responsible strategy, environmentally responsible. It, it's just, it's cool stuff that you don't see every day and people should be paying attention to it. They're not making more land, right? Not making more land. Uh, I like it. Uh, Joseph, let's head over to the section of the show called the Curious Cues. We're going to throw some questions at you and we will get your answers for them. Uh, first question is favorite podcast you enjoy listening to? Uh, the, house hacking, uh, the House Hacking podcast with Andrew. Yep. Andrew's been on the show before. So I listened to the episode you were on actually. So good job on that. Uh, favorite book you enjoy reading? Uh, I'm going to plug in Cole Peterson's book. It's called Backdoor Revolution. It's uh, a book all about ADUs. It's written in 2018, and it really explains ADUs in Portland. And I get a lot of my inspiration and content from them. Awesome. I didn't even know there was a book on that, so I'll have to check that out and read up on it a little bit. Biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome? I know this one doesn't kind of totally go with you, but we could say biggest hurdle in your business you've had to overcome. Um, I think education. I think we're doing something really new and I'm trying to educate people. And a lot of people are telling me that they would love to do this, but they don't want people living in their backyard. And I say, Hey, share your backyard and uh, you know, get less on mortgage and live a happier life. Yep. Agreed. Uh, favorite non-real estate related hobby. So in your free time, what are you doing? Uh, I would say chess and backgammon. I'm much better at backgammon than I, I, I am at chess, but I like chess a lot more. That's cool. I like that. And uh, newbie advice. So what advice would you give to someone that's looking to get started in the ADU world, whether that's building them or just having them in their properties, on their properties, I should say? Buy a house. That's number one. Talk to people, read an article, listen to people that are talking about ADUs and, you know, just go for it. The simple answer is get your plans approved and then figure out financing later. Okay. I like it. Uh, Joseph, where can someone connect with you if they have more questions about ADUs or they want to uh, just chat with you more about the whole concept or have you do some work for them? Yeah, we're pretty active on Instagram. So Neo underscore ADU. Uh, we have tons of education on our website. It's free. Go download our five steps to building a profitable ADU uh, and feel free to book a 15 minute free consultation with me. If you're more into videos, I'm big on YouTube and we have a big Facebook group that talk about ADUs a lot. So I'm everywhere. Awesome. Well, Joseph, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show and we'll be chatting with you soon. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. 
For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.